Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church. We are delighted you have chosen to listen in today. It's our hope the message of Jesus will continue to spread and bear fruit, both in your life and the world around us. For more digital content, feel free to check us out on the web at calvarybcmoultrie.com. And now for today's message. So one of my goals today is I'm going to try to limit this to a particular amount of time, all right? And the reason why is, hey, I, I know that I can't touch every like there's no way for me to touch everything today. If we do touch everything, it'll be a Christmas Day miracle, okay? Like it will be absolutely, so that's again why I have that kind of sheet. So maybe if you are not familiar, uh, we have actually been going through a series that we call Treasure Hunters. Uh, and one of the things that we're talking about in Treasure Hunters is we're actually going through the books of the wisdom literature in the Bible. If you have never heard of that, there are parts of the Bible that were actually written that assume this, that God actually desires to make his people wise. And what that means is walking in the, in this world the way you were designed to walk. Walking in this world that will actually go with the grain of creation against the grain of creation. I know one of the things that we've talked about a couple times, if we can compare it to this, Walking in the wisdom literature, if you compare it to petting a cat, okay, you can walk in God's wisdom and you can pet a cat from head to tail, right? You can do that. And your cat will go, all like, usually if you have a cat like that, she'll love that. Here's the thing. Walking outside of God's wisdom actually has the reverse effect. It would be like petting your cat from its tail to its head. Again, let me ask you, how is that going to result? Usually, not good. You're going to get your butt clawed. Like that's... What's going to happen? Like, you can do that. You can walk against wisdom. You can absolutely do that. And the Bible says you can do that kind of thing. But one of the things that will call, it will show you pretty fast is that kind of thing will result in destruction in your life. And what I did is I kind of put some slides together um, today. And this is, we'll kind of ex- examine um, what we're really kind of looking at in the wisdom literature. So if you can hit the first slide real fast. So, oh, that's actually pretty small. Um, so what you see right here is there, there are four people here. Uh, person A, B, C, D, those are the little bubbles. And then you've got your bubble right there with the star on it, all right? And here's one of the things that the Bible assumes, is that God is actually given, whether you are a Christian here or not this morning, he has given you a level of wisdom in this world, all right? We talked about this in weeks past. Drug dealers have wisdom, all right? They have wisdom. Now they might not, now here's the thing, it is not a comprehensive wisdom. All right. So here's what that means. So next slide. Here's what this means. It means that what happens is if you look at these, this means that your wisdom right there, what happens is in your relationships, there is lots and lots of brokenness and pain. Why? All right. Because you have a limited amount of wisdom and the Bible says you need to seek the Lord and in him you will find more and more wisdom. So he is assuming, next slide, that that wisdom, that your wisdom will one day, it is going to, as you seek him, it will grow. Yeah. 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 Next slide. Oh, yeah, there you go. So that it will actually grow one day. And now one of the things, these relationships that used to be broken, these relationships that used to have lots of conflict, one of the things you will notice is that as you grow wise, as we walk with the Lord, one of the things you will see is now you will be equipped to operate in this world the way that you were designed to. You'll be able to, that does not mean your life will be perfect. That does not mean you will not have strife in your life. No, 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 no. But what it does mean is it w- means you will be able to actually operate and handle that strife. 
So today we are continuing through, and today, as Josh said, we are going through um, what we say the gym is sapphire. So some of you guys might know sapphire. I love sapphires. They're one of the coolest stones there are. Um, how many of you guys, anybody born in September here? Anybody born in September? I know one is. Where's Levi? Levi. Oh, Brian Burrell, Anthony. Yep. So we got some September. So if you are a September, oddly enough, this is actually your birthstone, okay? One of the things about sapphires is they are actually one of the rare gems that almost come in every single shade of the rainbow, all right? It actually comes in all these colors, and I'm like, how fitting, all right? Because in many ways, one of the things that we see in the Bible is that we need a very colorful view of our speech. We need a colorful view of what it looks like, because many times, I think, most of us just have like this black and white approach, this black and white approach to our tongues. So one of the things we're going to do, we're going to look at that today. Because there are so many scriptures, you can feel free. Uh, I'm going to actually have them up here. You can feel free to open up your Bible and do that. But there are going to be so many today, we're just going to hit through them. So, um, so guys, let's do this. Let's start. Um, when I was thinking of this, um, uh, one of the things I was remembering is I was remembering uh, whenever I was a kid uh, in uh, probably second grade, I remember walking out. Um, it was like crisp, cool days. And uh, one of the things I remember, I was so excited, it's like 10 a.m., we're walking out, and I remember going around the corner, and there she was, okay? This, like, majestic, big, old, like, splintery, wood, overly stained pirate ship. Overly stained pirate ship, accidented with, like, like old, recycled uh, monster truck tires. This was my playground, and it was the playground of playgrounds, some of the dads at our elementary school growing up, I think they got together uh, like dads sometimes can, and they want to, like, build something humongous, and they built this thing. And not really concerned about safety. I mean, one of the hum- most humongous things you could ever, like, you literally they had these rope swings that you could, like, go from, like, one end of the area all the way to the other, and you could, like, pretend like you're swashbuckling all your enemies, or, uh, like, if you're a second grader, you know who your enemy is, it's the... Second grade girls. All right. So that's usually what it was like. And I mean, it was like, it was this time. And I'm, and I remember, that was my playground. And one of the things I remember about being young is that you remember, you, you learn almost as much on the playground as you actually do in the classroom. And I remember running around. And those of you, if you can think back to your little elementary school days, usually one of the things you were taught, one of the things that you were taught almost right away is this idea, if someone comes and he makes fun of you, someone comes and she makes fun of you, you'll learn to say, what, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? But words, no, 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 they will never hurt me, all right? And maybe as you hear we're talking about words today, that's exactly what you think about. Because it's one of those things that I think many times a culture can kind of adopt and attribute to Christianity. But here's one of the things that Christianity would say, that that right there is absolutely not true. And some of you have learned this by experience. You've had words said to you. Maybe it was by your parent. Maybe it was by a husband or a wife. And here's the thing. You can get punched in the eye. And that will last for three or four weeks. And then it's gone. But here's one of the things you've noticed. You've noticed that there were words that you remember and you'll never forget them. But the Bible is not so simple when it talks about how we are to use our words, how we are to communicate. It is not so simple. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, all right, David, I, I'm not exactly a follower of Jesus or something like that. I'm not, uh, I, I wouldn't claim to be that, but I think I'm pretty good at communication. 
Maybe that's you. Maybe you're actually, uh, you, you think of yourself as maybe uh, older in the faith. Maybe, maybe that's you. And you come in thinking today, you know what? I think I'm a pretty good communicator. I think, I think I'm pretty good. I think I've got this communication thing down. What I want to do is I want to invite you this morning to consider maybe that you do not. And maybe that I do not. And that God is actually inviting you into a realm of communication that you do not know. And if you do not follow him this morning, what if I told you that your communication could be infinitely better, but that only comes through a walk with Jesus Christ? What I want you to see this morning is that everywhere in our culture, you can hear the brokenness of our communication. You can flip on the radio this morning on your way home. Put on your country I was listening this, this, like this week, sometime in the middle of the night, I can feel you again, but I miss you and I wish you were a better man. And I know we had to say goodbye like the back of my hand, but I miss you and I wish you were a better man. What is the cause of relational brokenness in that song? Just listen for the verse. And it's always on your terms, hanging on every careless word, hoping it might turn sweet again like it was in the beginning. That friend, if you, maybe you're not, you wouldn't claim to be a follower of Jesus, one of the things that our culture is screaming at you is there's something wrong with our communication. And for those of us who do follow Jesus this morning, there's a great thing that we do. We actually care the most. We care more about any, of, any person in the world about communication. Why do we? What does Genesis 1, 1 say? In the beginning there, What? You see, you see Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke, and what do you see? It was. That we have a God, unlike every other religion in the history of the world, who speaks, and not only speaks, but he is himself spoken through human vocal cords. That when God speaks, that he speaks in a way that things actually are. So as we look at this this morning, we are going to look at our communication. We're going to look at what it means and how the Lord wants to make us all wise communicators. Wise so that we can represent him. Both in our jobs, our families, in our world, in our friendships, all those things. So we're going to see primarily two things today. I'm going to set my clock. And here we go. So God wants to primarily show us two things this morning. If you are a note taker, this might be very helpful for you. So if you're a note taker, he wants to show us two things this morning. One is our desperate need for wisdom and communication. He wants to show us our desperate need for wisdom and communication. And number two, he wants to show us the result of seeking him in wisdom, and that is a soft tongue. He wants to show us the result of seeking him in wisdom. And that is a soft tongue. So let's take a look. Um, like I said, you can feel free uh, to pull out your Bibles. We are just going to be the way that the Proverbs are designed. Many of them are dis- are like popcorn verses. It just means you're going to be flipping a ton. So I would definitely invite you to do that. I will have them up on the screen, though, for the sake of that. So uh, Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, we're going to start Proverbs chapter 24. Let's take a look real fast. So Proverbs 24, it says this, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Oh, that sounds nice. All right. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, it says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. It says better to to openly maybe rebuke somebody than to hide your love behind silence. Faithful are the words, the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
Now, depending who you are in this room, you're going to either get really nervous or you're going to be like, yeah, that's exactly right. But then we read in Proverbs chapter 13. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips come to ruin. Wait, I, I thought you just told me to, to talk. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. That means that he, he, he just goes, if he feels it, he says it. If she feels it, she says it. But a wise man quietly holds it back. Whoever restrains his words, this is Proverbs 17, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. You might be here this morning and you might be thinking, David, what are you doing? Like those are like the exact opposite. One of them's telling me that I need to go ahead and speak. One of them's telling me that I need to go ahead and be silent. Would you go ahead and tell me which one it is? And one of the things that we see very on is here's one of the things. If you came today and you were maybe thinking, man, I'm go- I just want to add some kind of like godliness to my life today. And maybe you came here today and you were like, hey, I'm here. I want to I want to please God. And here's what I think this is going to make my week better if I if I come and I like sit through and sing some songs. Here's one of the things the Bible would encourage you with. He says that's not how this universe operates. That this universe is completely complex. And here's the thing. You need wisdom. And here's one of the things. You see things that seem contradictory. And here's what the Bible is trying to show us. That you need a nuanced view of how you use your tongue. You need the wisdom of God to know when to speak. But not just when to speak. But also when not to speak. That it's not always just this black and white thing. That there is a multitude of colors that we need. You might be thinking, David, why in the world, how could these things be so, like, how, how could you tell me this one thing over here and tell me this one thing over here? And what I want you to do, I want you to give you one little background. This is going to be like a mind blower to some of you, but if it is, just hold on to me for a second, okay? This really shows us This doctrine that we see in the Bible, all right? I don't do this often, but I think it's an important one today. It's called this, original sin. Okay, here's what original sin is. Here's what it means. It means when Adam sinned, when our first father, Adam sinned, it's not just that his sin like stayed with him and then he died and then his next son happened to sin as well. Here's what it means. When Adam sinned, he passed that sin along, that corruption to his sons and his daughters and they did to their sons and their daughters and they did to to guess who we get to? You and I this morning. That means though we are sinners because we sin, sin more primarily, we are sinners because we are born that way. But here's the thing, just like they told you in school that maybe you were a little snowflake and you were just like this precious thing that, 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 that is so like nobody in the world is like you. There's some truth to that, but here's what it also means. It also is correct because here's what it's also showing, that because you are, are fallen, nobody else is fallen in the way that you are. That you are a specific sinner. Those of you who are married, you figured this out. The things that you sin and you struggle with are not necessarily the same things that your wife sins and struggles with. 
Or the same thing, you've had multiple kids maybe. You've noticed, wait a minute, all these kids, like, man, they came from the same place. But man, like, all of them struggle. With so- Why? Because we are specific sinners. And every, here's what this means. Every part of the Proverbs that we come to is going to make somebody in this room uncomfortable today. It's going to make me uncomfortable. But what God is doing is to show to be a wise man or wise woman in this world. What we need to do is we have to keep in mind that what happens is we need all of God's wisdom to do that. So we see, one, the very fact that God actually shows, like, these things that seem like opposites. You need to speak. You need to be silent. It shows us our need. It shows you this morning, my friend, that you have a deep need of wisdom. Maybe you came from a family that was argumentative. Maybe it was a pretty normal thing for you to like to show like your aggression and those type of things, slamming doors and those things in, in your house. Guess what? You might marry somebody, you might befriend somebody one day who did not grow up in an environment like that and it will destroy them. Some of you grew up in a, in a passive home where nobody ever really said anything. Like if someone offended somebody, it was never, you never talk about that. And what the Bible says when it's claims in the wisdom literature, if you try to live that way amongst, um, amongst this world, it will end up destroying you from the inside out. Maybe criticism was one of your like constant languages in your home growing up, or maybe it is right now. That if that is not turned from, one of the things, you will pass that along to your kids. You will pa- they will pass that, and it will lead to generations of destruction. So because of this, guys, here's one of the things. I don't come up here today as someone who has it all figured out. I am not someone who's completely wise in my words. But guess what? I am the primary person today who says I am in need. And every single one of us is in need this morning. We need God's wisdom for communication. You need it for your friends. You need it for your family. You need it for your marriages. You need it for your singleness. So let's see how this plays itself out. So number two, God shows us the result of seeking him and wisdom. And here's the result. As I read through all the Proverbs, and one of the things I gave you on the sheet today is some Proverbs that you can read through. If I had to summarize what God desires for our tongues, it would be this. It would be that God wants us to have a soft tongue. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, echoing back to what? The garden. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Let me ask you, as you look at that, are you surprised that that's what the Bible actually says about having a wise tongue? Because here's the thing. I grew up, and you know what having a wise tongue was all about? It was all about not cussing. 
It's all about like avoiding these particular words. And one of the things the Bible would say is that is a very, very flat and thin view. That I have met people and I have been one of those people who maybe avoided these certain words, but I was still a fool in my speech. I was still a fool. And I've met people who actually use those words and man, they're wise. They still demonstrate wisdom, even though they do. So it's not just this, oh, I just need to avoid something. No, we need to embrace something this morning. And I think what the Proverbs would call us to is it would call us to what it would call a soft tongue. Now, when some of you hear soft tongue, you're going to think like, sissy, that's not what I'm talking about. This is a tongue that is thoughtful, that says hard things, but it always says it in a way that will be accepted In its best possible way. It seeks to always say it in its best possible way. So what we're going to do is we're going to put four aspects. Four aspects. So if you do write notes, these will be very helpful for you. Four aspects of having a soft tongue. So the first one is gathering facts instead of jumping to judgment. Gathering facts instead of jumping to judgment. So Proverbs 25, so it's interesting. We're about to come to a time, if you know what's about to be on TV coming up November, you know what is it going to be. It's about to be election time. So what you're going to see is you're going to see probably the opposite of everything we talk about today there. So Proverbs, we're going to go Proverbs chapter 25, verse 8. You got that one back there? Any there? No, no, no. Proverbs 25, 8. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court. For what will you will do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? So the idea is this. I don't know if any of you have ever been sued before. So the idea in this verse is that you see something that appears one way. In this case, someone has been wronged. And now what they're going to do is they're going to court to actually resolve that. Say, you wronged me. You did this. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to sue you. And let me ask you, how does the verse end? Did you catch that? It says, do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? What's he saying there, my friend? What's he saying there? He's saying that the wise man, the wise woman... She actually, he actually gathers facts and gathers data before he or she actually speaks. Now, I know this is actually something that we'd be like, oh my gosh, like this has been one of the most hugest things in my life, guys. I've seen this in several ways. Let me give you a couple examples. You might have seen this. Maybe you send out a text that says something like this. Hey, where did you put that? I saw you playing with it last week and it's missing. Think about how that's phrased. Hey, where did you put that? I saw you playing with that last week and it's missing. Let me ask you, what's wrong with that phrase? Let's say you send that out as a text message. Hey, where did you put that? I saw you playing with it last week. And you're missing. And it's missing. It's assuming what? The guilt of the person. 
Maybe you have a sibling and you see your sibling doing something that frankly you think is just to bother you. There's a spiritually mature version of this. Where maybe you gather around, like maybe you gather around after like, let's say after sermon or something like that on Sundays. All right. And maybe you're like, you know what? Like, I didn't agree with what, what, what the pastor said today. He was completely wrong, man. I, I, I don't, I don't see it like that at all. But you don't possibly take time to think maybe you misheard. With your sibling, maybe that wasn't their motive. With your friend that you send the text to, maybe you actually misplaced that and you don't remember that you did that. That as Christians, remember, we we are not omniscient like our God. That when we assume the guilt of another person, which we don't ever realize, I think that we're actually doing. We are actually, in some ways, claiming God's omniscience for ourselves. But the wise man and the wise woman says, okay, let's let's say your husband just offended you. Let's say your wife just offended you. The wise man, the wise woman sits back and says, wait a minute. I know I, right now, I am feeling like raging on the inside. But what if I assumed maybe he did not actually mean it like that? What if she did not actually mean it like that? So here's what we do. Instead of just roaring back, because what does that do? That starts an argument, and we've been down that road before, haven't we? What will you do when you when your neighbor puts you to shame? We've been down that road before. One of the things that we can do is we can... Act every time like sleuths, like detectives. Ask for clarification. Hey, I'm just curious. What what did you mean by this? When I heard it, I thought this. But I know that's probably not how you meant it. Do you see what you just did there? By actually assuming maybe it was I, maybe it was you that understand. You just saved a whole 25-minute argument. Some of you might be thinking, David, I've I've never heard anything like that. There's a reason for that. It's because I I think the Bible shows that we typically tend to think that we're right about everything. But friend, gather, act like a detective. When you are offended, when you hear something, when you see something, do not immediately just be like, oh, but ask for clarification. Ask for maybe, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe afterwards you can be like, okay, I need to think about this. And try to think of reasons why they they might actually be partially right. And why you might see that as wrong. That one of the keys to a soft tongue is not to assume that we, and we would never say this, but it's to assume that we are not God. Because when we throw back And put on the boxing gloves and start fighting with the tongue again. In some ways, what we are doing is we are making a claim to God's omniscience. That I know everything in this universe and that I know the motives of their heart. And one of the things that the wisdom literature would say is actually, friend, you do not. And I do not. And let's just be honest. Like, that's hard. 
Because here's one of the things. If some, maybe your, maybe, maybe your, maybe your friend says something about you. That's hard because why? In some ways, you have to kind of like absorb that compliment, that, that not compliment, that, that what you think is an insult. You absorb that and it's just gotta hang out there for a second. And you wanna dish that thing right back. But guys, that's so, so much the beautiful part about Christianity because we see through the work of Jesus, we say this all the time, or I say this all the time, what Jesus has actually said about me on the cross in doing what he did, what he said about who I was is infinitely worse than anything that anyone could ever say about me because he knows all of me. And that when I truly grasp that, when you truly grasp that, you can actually catch that ball that someone throws at you. And it stings when you catch it. But instead of immediately throwing it back at them right in the face, you can seek clarification. Brothers, sisters in Christ, do this with one another. Do not just assume that you heard right. Maybe you heard wrong. Like I said, beware of the spiritual version of this. You might be thinking, I'm making my kids doctrinally aware when actually you're making them critical. Never assume. There's a room for critique. But critique happens after we gather the facts. Does that make sense? That God desires us to not assume That we know the entire story. Do not just jump in and start throwing the the lava back, all right? Number two. Turn to Proverbs chapter 17, or uh, he'll have it up there on the screen. Proverbs 17. I say, I call this one taking, taking the long game, all right? Proverbs 17, 14, it says this. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before your quarrel breaks out. The picture is, it's like this, like letting out. And I don't know if you ever did. I remember when I was a kid, I went to this place called the Science Center in Orlando. It was awesome because they had this like waterworks place. And you could like build up water. And then you can like lift it up and it goes all the way to, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I love it. I have dreams of it today. I wish I was back there right now. All right. So, but one of the things we see, he compares wisdom to like, to the, the quarrel, the strife, what it is. It's like water built up back here and back. And then you like let it out a little bit, let it out. And it starts to go, and then, and then all of a sudden it sweeps you away. So it says before the beginning of strife is like a letting out. So quit. Before the quarrel breaks out, Proverbs twenty five fifteen. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded. That's interesting. Not in immediacy. And a soft tongue. Catch this. This might confuse. Will break a bone. What? Wait. What in the world is he talking about? He's saying this. That here's the thing. With patience, a ruler may. But a soft tongue, though it is so soft, what it can do is it can do the most metaphorical damage. It can help you in the best, best, best of ways. I'll give you an example. So let's say that you really care about something in your home. Let's say you you're, you're, you really, 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 and you think that maybe someone else in your house should think the same way that you do. 
I know this never happens, right? Like, for real. Like, you think your husband should see things this way. When he thinks that maybe you should see them this way. Do you think your brother should see things this way? Do you think your sister should see things this way? One of the things that the Proverbs tells us, it says, do not have patience. Do not. If you see the beginning of a quarrel coming out, step away. Step away. Step away for a second. Be patient as God in Christ has been what with us? Patient. That when you sense the beginning of something, it might be at that point, it very well might be, not all the time, but it might be like, hey, I'm sensing that this is actually getting a thing, maybe a little, a little heated. Let's go ahead. Let's step away from this for a second. That you don't have to win, that not every day is a war and a battle that you have to win. That God has actually been patient with us. Number three, a third one. This one is called person-oriented replies. Person-oriented replies. You might be like, David, what does that mean? Proverbs 16. Let's take a look at a couple of them. Proverbs 16. The wise of heart is called discerning. And sweetness of speech. What does it do? It actually increases persuasiveness. So this idea is that this person did not just come out and say, oh, I'm just going to say this. He carefully thought, how do I most persuasively say this to this particular person? The heart of the righteous, chapter 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Here's what one of the Proverbs says. It's bringing this to our minds that you cannot just answer everybody the same way. Maybe you're here today and you're like, David, I'm just, I'm just a blunt person. Like I'm just, I I just, I'm just a blunt person. You might be oriented that way and I praise God for you, but there is wisdom that you need. That we cannot just go around and talk and say, I'm just going to say things the way that I say it and how people take it. That's their thing. So I'll give you an example. So let's just say Facebook or mom book, whatever you want to call it these days, because not many younger ones. It's usually mostly moms now. No offense to you. So what, if you begin a post with, hey, I know this is going to make some people mad. Dot, dot, dot. Let's just think about that for a second. That wisdom does not answer people how you want to be answered. It thinks of this. How is this person best going to hear me? I need to think how, how, let's say I grew up in a home where, let's say, um, like blowups are pretty normal. How do I answer this person who do, actually I can see they do not come from this background of That if you do this, that if I do this, one of the things you will notice is a transformation of your relationships. Because here's what you're doing. This is the beautiful part of this. Remember, 
all of what we're doing is actually reflecting what God himself has done. What did God himself do? He became what? Though he was in heaven, though he could not be touched, though he was completely safe, he became a man and he became one of us. And that when you act in this way towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, in some ways what you are doing is you are reenacting in a beautiful way what God in Christ has done for you has done for me. That we do not assume that other people need to hear something the way that we need to hear it. But what what, what do we do? We ponder, what is the absolute best way that maybe, as I have an understanding of this person, I can put this. What is the best way that they will hear this? Number four, guarding your volume. Guarding your volume. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning. This is one of my favorite verses in Proverbs, by the way, because there are some things that are practical, and then there are some things that are like, wow, I literally see that. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. So those of you guys, there's two kinds of people in there. Justice is smiling, all right? So there's two kinds of people. There's those of you who are like early birds, get the worm, like that's me. I love that. I like getting up and it's still dark outside. Oh man, that's awesome. All right, I love that. There's those of you, all right, who are like, man... If it was 10 o'clock a.m., 11 o'clock a.m., that's about my sweet spot. Like, I'll, that's, that's my, that's my jam right there. And it says this. It says, so you little early birds, you walk into the room and be like, good morning! It says, you will be counted as absolutely cursing in their mind. <laughs> Proverbs 15, a soft answer. Turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This idea that volume matters. This is something that, like, I feel like I I did not grasp, and I still don't grasp sometimes. Like, here's the thing. Some of you, you've actually, you've actually been in arguments with people where you look back and you're like, how did I get in the argument? I didn't even walk in here wanting to get in an argument with them. And, like, and here's what usually happens. One person starts just upping the volume just a touch. So what does the other person do? Up the volume just a touch. And then that person, to get their point across, needs to do what? Up the volume just a touch. And then that person needs to up the volume, 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 up the volume. And all of a sudden, people are yelling at each other. And you're like, how did this happen? It's because we don't actually consider that God made our voices in a particular way. That there is a reason people yell at war. That we don't understand many times that what our volume is actually doing. It's actually maybe even, get this, it might be betraying the very thing that you're trying to get across. It might be betraying the very point I'm trying to make. We're going to cut right here. One of the things that 
Guys, as, as I thought about this, I thought this is one of the things that most distinctly colors the beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has actually done to us. It is our communication as brothers and sisters. It is your communication with you and your friends. It is your communication between you husbands and wives. This is one of the things that by living our lives in this particular way, it brings beautiful color that our world can see. And guys, as I listened to the radio, it broke my heart because you can hear the devastation of words. That we're about to get to November and what you're going to see is no matter who you vote for, there are people in this room, you are voting Republican. There are people in this room, you're actually voting Democrat. There's both of those in this room. But what you're about to see, no matter who your candidate is, is some absolute foolishness in terms of conversation. And one of our great warnings is to not actually follow that. That if there are those in this world that will actually show a beautiful representation of what it means to speak. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Jesus, if that is you, that is us. That we take into account that our mouths are not our own. That's why I encourage you guys, grab one of those bulletins where you go home and talk through maybe that with your, you and your friends. Talk to that, you and your family today. Like, that is a real thing. And there's some things in there when you read them, you're like, oh my gosh, like, I never realized. That's why I do this junk. Like, it, that, that's, that, that's there. Because I guarantee you, if you walked in today, you need transformation in your communication. I need transformation in my communication. But you don't want to know the great thing? Is that God actually is going to do this work in us. As we seek him and we seek him for wisdom in his word, he will do this work. Because remember, what? God has actually designed these things to happen through relationship. Through relationship with things like your family, but especially with relationship, things like the local church. That right there, guys, this, this right here is our redemptive playground. This is our redemptive playground that God is actually using... As you talk amongst one another and grow and learn from one another and even correct one another, what is happening is you are seeing what God is doing is he is taking a tongue that used to be used this way and he is redeeming it and using it for his purposes. That the local church is God's redemptive playground to which he sets broken bones and heals split tongues. So guys, we get to think about it. I love this, and this is how we're ending today. Guys, think about like a song that we're about to sing. We, we, we sing this one a lot here. Like it, it actually pictures in, in Revelation. It's one of the great like ironies, I think, that we look at in the Bible. These people, you and me, who used to use our tongues wickedly, will one day be gathered around a throne. And no more will we use our tongues to destroy. No more will we be critical and tear down. No more will we be passive and prefer people's views of us and thinking that we're a good person than their own good to hear something. That day is coming. And praise God that it is coming.
Guys, that's the day that we, if, if, if you are in, that's the day we look forward to if you're in Christ today. That's the day that we look forward to. Friend, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, David, I don't know, like this God, like what, what are you saying? Let me invite you. I would love to talk with you afterwards today. That t- could tell you about someone who would redeem not just your tongue, but your whole life. It'll cost you everything, but guess what? What you will gain is infinitely more than you ever left. So guys, as the, as the, as the worship team comes forward, Guys, may we sing in response to what God has actually done, knowing that he will one day bring healing. And at the same time, he will bring us to the point where we no longer misuse what we've actually been given. But that process starts now. But if you were in Christ, you can be different because he's given you the power through his Holy Spirit and through the work of Jesus. Let's pray, guys. Thanks for listening in to today's message. For more information about our church, feel free to visit us at calvarybcmoultrie.com. We hope you will join us again next time. Until then, grace and peace.